business meeting tonight. The uh, Brother Hurl likes to get the bank statements and reconcile his uh, um, spreadsheet, so they ain't come for some reason. I take it we still have money in the bank. I know we do, but anyway. So that'll be next week. Matthew chapter 14. going to read verses 22 to 33. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained, that word constrained means he compelled. The idea is almost like he kind of pushed him. Constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves. The wind was contrary. Fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Genesaret. I've just titled this, uh, Increasing Our Faith. Faith. So let's, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love and your mercies to us. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to meet together tonight to encourage and challenge one another and, and to hear from the Word of God. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, uh, glorify yourself. And may we be drawn closer to Thee, and may we have our faith increased uh, by hearing the Word of God tonight. We thank You for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I think you would agree with me that the age in which we're living, the attitude of of uh, Christianity, if I want to use that word, is uh, Laodicean. That is. You know we're we have we have we're we're rich and increase with goods have needed nothing. At least in America. Um, and probably, you know, I was thinking about this day. Probably there's no greater danger to faith than that. In fact, that's one of the things Moses. That is the thing that Moses warned the children of Israel about. And if you look back to Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy 6, he warned them about before they entered uh, the promised land. He said, uh, you know, he warned them about getting in the land and having all the abundance of things and then forgetting God. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 12 says, uh, well, let's, let's back up to get the context here. And he talks about verse 10, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall brought thee into the land, 
which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive yards which thou plantest not. Then thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Again in chapter 8. And notice how many times the word forget is in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 8. It says, A land of wheat and barley, talking about the land he's going to bring them in, land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that they might humble thee, and they might prove thee, to do thee good at the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and, my, and the might of mine hand hath got me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, Forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish. As a nation which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because you would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. And then again in chapter 28, verse 47, 28, 47, it says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness, and with gladness of heart, and notice, for the abundance of all things. So, you know, faith, you know, as we understand faith, faith is trust, it's dependence, it's, it's doubt conquered, it's taking God at his word. And human nature being what it is, when we have everything that we need, we tend to Forget where those things come from. Just like many times, you know, children of rich people grow up and they don't have to, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't value money. They don't appreciate money. Why? Because they always had it. They always had it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've heard this that, that many times a, a, uh, a child will get an inheritance. And many times they will lose what their parents worked all their lives to get. I knew a guy that, that uh, uh, close to where I grew up, he had the nicest farm in the valley. Probably the biggest farm, one of the biggest farms, and the nicest. He always had the nicest corn. He always got in early, too. But anyway, but he paid a dollar for his farm from his dad. And guess what? He lost it. Lost it, and so the same is true as we consider, you know, our faith in God. Many times we forget 
um, our lack of faith is, 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 is the fruit of we forget that God gives us. You know, we need to be reminded that, you know, as he reminded Israel, it's God that giveth thee power to get wealth, if you get wealth. You know, he can take your health, and then you can't get it. And there was a man in Maine who, who was quite wealthy, and, he, and uh, he, had, he had some kind of disease in his feet. And he, he was a saved man. I knew him. He professed to be saved. Went to a Missionary Alliance church. Anyway, he told a friend of mine, he said, I thought money could buy anything. So I got this. So, as we think about faith, first of all, notice you notice the basis of faith, and that is the word of God. And Jesus said, in constraint way, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him on the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Again, that word constrained means he compelled. It means to drive, to exert force. And the word of God, the word of God has the power to, it, it has force. It has power. It, it's, it's quick and alive and sharper than a two-inches sword. Uh, it's a force in the soul. Uh, in Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah said that, you know, all my familiars are against me and, and, and you know, and he was he was he was being persecuted and all these things. And he said he was he was weary, and, and, and he said I'm just not going to speak any more in his name. But he said his word was in my heart as a burning fire, and I was weary with forbearing. In other words, I was weary from from holding it in. The word of the Lord wanted to you know God's word was in my heart, and I wanted to give it out. It was a force in his soul. And so we need, we need to, you know, it's important that we spend time in the Word of God. Romans ten seventeen, of course, says faith cometh by hearing, hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God will increase your faith. You know, we, we are saved by hearing the Word of God. Salvation, faith, comes by hearing the Word of God. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works. But look, look at 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. How do you know that you're saved? How do I know that I'm saved? Because of the Word of God. You know, your, your salvation is based upon, not upon you, but upon what the Word of God says. It's the basis of all our faith. First John 5, verse 10 says, He that believeth on the Son hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So, so he said, you know, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness of himself, but he that believeth not, or he that does not have faith in what God has said, or in God's word, What are you really saying? God's a liar. God's a liar. To not to take God at his word is an offense to holy God. It's really to say that God's record is not true. Now, if I told you, Nick, if I told you, that tomorrow at lunchtime, if you meet me 
at the Cracker Barrel down at Airport Boulevard at 12 o'clock, I'll buy your lunch. Now, if you don't go, what's that say? I don't believe you. Don't believe me, right? That's good because I'm not going either. Uh, but but if if I told you that to to not go would say I'm lying. See, God has said in His Word, you know, He that believeth on the Son, in other words, puts his faith, his trust in the Son is taking God or having faith in what God has said. To not believe what God has said is to make God a liar. This is the record. God's word is the record. It's the standard. It's how we can know. And so to not take God's word is a an offense to a holy and righteous God. Yet Job had much to say about the word of God. And in Job chapter 23... You know, this was the man who was tried. He lost all his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. You know, what else can a man lose? Well, I'm not sure what. Just his life, I guess. The only other thing left. And he wished he could die, I think. But anyway, he lost all that. But this was the man that said, in Job 23, verse 8 through 12, Behold, I go forward, but I is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept, and not declined. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So Job would say, I'm still trusting God's word. I still believe what God says. And I'm still trusting in it. And it was Job that also said in Job thirteen fifteen, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. See, Job took God at his word. He believed it. He believed what he said. And so, you know, faith is taking God at his word. You know, whether it's for salvation or whether it's for everyday living. We have to take God at his word. Um. You know, it will sustain you through the trials and tests of life. Faith in His Word. Uh, you know, we can worry and fret through life if we want to, but we need to take God at His Word. You know, do you ever think maybe you wonder if uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were a little bit worried? You know, they probably, probably you know, what, what's going to happen to us? Well, they didn't know. They didn't know. But they took God at his word. So the basis of our faith is the word of God. The more you read and the more you study and the more you hear the word of God preached, the greater your faith is going to be. The greater your faith is going to be. D.L. Moody said this, there will not be another great revival until Christians get back to the study of the word of God. Secondly, notice the trial of faith. You know, faith must be tried to be proven. God always tries our faith. You know, the Bible tells us that Abraham, God did tempt Abraham. That means he tried him. He tested him. And here in Matthew 14, verse 24, 
Remember, remember, they are, understand, the disciples are where Jesus sent them. He sent them into the ship and said to go to the other side. So, that being the case, but the ship, verse 24, is now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. So, they are exactly where Jesus sent them. But there's problems. There's a crisis. A life-threatening crisis. You know, the wind was contrary. Uh, it was a bad storm. You know, just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean you're going to be exempt from the storms of life. God allows those to prove our faith. He allows them. That's what James 1, 2 through 4 is all about. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, knowing that the tribe in your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire one or nothing. Now, I have to admit, I don't go, yes, praise the Lord when trials come. But the old saying is, you know, a, a smooth sea never made a good mariner or good seaman. Trials teach, you, uh, teach us what we cannot learn any other way. David said in Psalm 119.71, It's good for me that, I've been, that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Job come out at the end of his trials a better man. More understanding of God. He realized who he really was in the sight of God. You see, God uses trials to refine us. Uh, look at uh, Malachi 3.3. 3. Malachi 3.3. 3. That's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 3.3. What everybody says is the white pages of your Bible. Malachi 3.3 says this, And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, and as in former years. Now, he's talking there about how God's going to purify and purge the sons of Levi, and the children of Judah. You know, if you read Daniel chapter 9, it talks about uh, that the tribulation period is, is, the purpose of that is to make an end of sins. In other words, to turn Israel's rebellion away from them and turn them back to God. And here he said he's going to re- refine them as a purifier of silver. And, you know, and to, to purify uh, a silver, a refiner will, will heat the silver. And you melt it and heat it hotter and hotter, and as the impurities come to the top, he skims them off. He keeps skimming off the impurities until he can see his own image in it. That's what Romans 8, 28, 29 says. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. You know, you can you can go through the the Old Testament scriptures, for example, and 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 study the the lives of its heroes and see how God tried them over and over again 
Abraham's first test after he got into the land was what? A famine. Where did Abraham go? He went to Egypt. He failed. He failed the test the first time around. He failed it the second time around. The second time there was a famine, he went to Abimelech. And of course, you know what he did when he went to Egypt. And you know what he did when he went to Abimelech. He lied about his wife. And the trials continued. You know, I've heard one preacher say, you know, if, when you fail at one time, you have to take it over again, just like you did in school. I guess you don't know if you still have to do that in school, but in our school you do. But, um, you know, when you fail at one time, you're going to have to take it again. And Abraham continued to have to take the test until finally God said, you take your son, your only son, and go off on my map that I would tell you of. And Abraham saddled his ass, took Isaac, his son, and went to the mountain. He passed the test. Passed the test. See, trials of life. Trials, think about this, trials are opportunities to bring glory to God in our life. They're opportunities. Look at Psalm 4. Psalm 4. Psalm 4, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Now, it doesn't say, it you know, doesn't say thou hast enlarged me when everything was going great. No. When he was in distress, when there was a crisis in his life, he says, God enlarged him. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O you sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. So, the idea here, turning the glory of God into shame is, for example, Abraham turned God's glory into shame when he went to Egypt. Instead of trusting God, staying in the land where God said this, you know, he, he got to the land of Canaan, and God said, look, northward and southward and eastward and westward, and all this land, I'm going to give it to you. And then a famine comes, and he goes to Egypt. Did he glorify God in Egypt? No, he didn't. He didn't glorify God in the land of Abimelech. In fact, Abimelech rebuked him, and rightly so. He didn't bring glory to God. He brought shame. Why? Because he did not trust God in the time of distress. You know, David, there were times in David's life when he, he brought reproach, when he went to Achish, king of Gath. So, but these, these times, trials, again, are opportunities for us to bring glory to God. You know, God doesn't make mistakes. We need to trust Him. And so, when trials come, we can do one of two things. We can either compromise, give in to the world. That's what Abraham did when we went to Egypt. Or we can trust God, cast our burden upon the Lord. And he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to move. Cast our burden on the Lord and let him do that which only he can do. You know, every trial has an impossible situation. Think about it. Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's an impossible situation. 
You either bow or you're going into that furnace. What would I have done? Well, I'm not sure. I wasn't there. I'm just thankful I wasn't. But, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know, our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. But if not, O king, we will not serve thy gods, or nor, nor worship the golden image without set up. So one way or another, God is, God is going to get us out of this. It may be through death. We may be burned alive. But we're not going to bring shame to God. What did God do? He delivered them. He delivered them. When Daniel was faced with a similar situation with the meat that's been offered to idols, and he asked the king for an alternative. And he was granted favor and given his request. And God honored his request. He looked healthier and fatter in flesh than all the rest of the wise men of Babylon after the time period. You see, trials are opportunities to bring glory to God. And we need to trust God. Uh, A.B. Simpson said this, quote, You will never learn faith in comfortable surroundings, unquote. John Marshall said, Quote, there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. I'm not sure I can tell the difference. Unquote. Because many times you put your faith in God, the world will look at it like, where did you come from? But we need to trust our God, because his word is true. We need to take him at his word. And then I want you to notice the third thing, the reward of faith. In verse 33, it says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth... Thou art the Son of God. And they were gone over. They came unto the land of Genesaret. So the reward of faith is a greater understanding of who God is. Now, you know, I didn't. We, we read all this story how, of course, Jesus came walking on the sea, and, and then Peter gets out and he walks on the water, and. And all that and so on. And as, and as a fruit of all that, and, and them being delivered out of, the, out of their, their trial and their storm, they, they realize, hey, this isn't an ordinary man. It says, then they were in the ship, came and worshipped him. You see, they, they began to understand, this is God. Only God can do these things. This is God in the flesh. Only God can do something like this. Only he has the power to calm the sea. Only he has the power to, to make me walk on the water. And if you read on in Psalm 4, 3 and 4, it says, Stand in awe. I mean, they're in awe. This is awesome. This is what our God can do. We need to stand in awe. And let him do only what God can do. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty.
2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, Paul said this. And you know, he talked about, in chapter 1 here, being delivered from so great a death. Um, you know, he, was, he was feared for his life at several places, times in his ministry. And, and then he said this. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. And it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? You see, Abraham would have seen God do something miraculous if he had said, You know, Lord, you brought me this place. You told me this land was going to be mine. And I'm going to stay right here. But Lord, you promised to supply our needs, so you're going to have to feed me. God would have fed him. God would have taken care of him. Because God can. He did the children of Israel in the wilderness. See, God told him it was his land. This was the place where he wanted him to stay, so he should have taken God at his word to stay. Uh, you know, that's what Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, they, they knew what God said about the land. They, said, they knew that God said, I'm going to give you the land. Go in and possess it. And when they came back, the, ten, the 12 spies came back, and, and the 10 brought up this evil report and, and, you know, about all the giants and all that. Hey, there was giants in there. There was walled cities in there. there. They were fortified, you know, up to the heaven, if you will, and, 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 you know, only it would take a miracle to conquer that place. After all, they weren't trained soldiers. But Joshua and Caleb said, God said he'd give it to us. We need to take God at his word. Take God at his word. And faith revealed that to them. So it gives us a greater revelation or understanding of who God is. It also gives us God's favor. God's favor. When we trust God, God favors us. Hebrews 11.6 says, uh, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it, when we trust God, it brings God's favor. Think about men in the Bible who had the favor of God. Why'd they have it? Because God has favorites? No. Because they trusted God. They believed his word and acted accordingly. Joseph. No matter where no no matter where life took Joseph, no matter what crisis it took him into, he trusted God. And God brought him into favor with everybody everywhere he went. The Bible simply says, and the Lord brought him favor in the eyes of Potiphar. Brought him favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. You know, everywhere he went, he was brought into favor. Job. The Lord spoke very highly of Job. Why? He was a man of godly character. Noah and Daniel. Daniel was called three times, beloved of the Lord. Hannah, 
trusted in God. She, 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 she gave her burden to the Lord, and then, and then she, she left it there and trusted God to bring her a man-child. Give her a man-child. And the Lord did. Mary was highly favored. You see, it brings us into favor with God. With God. And so, we need to be people of faith. You know, we're, living in, we're living in a day where people are forsaking and turning away from God's word. If you were going to any, any independent Baptist church tonight, ask for a doctrinal statement. One of the things you're going to see in a doctrinal statement is this statement, or something like this. We believe the Bible to be the final authority for faith and practice. But is it? You really wasn't what that statement means? That the word of God is my final authority for my life, for my practice, for how I live. How many churches practice that? That's faith. You know, the Bible says three times, the just shall live by their faith. The Christian life is a life of faith. It's to be a life of faith. Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. You know, Jesus came, into the, came, in, you know, came on the scene, and, and you know, one of the first things he says to them, you know, you know what? Elijah, when he was looking for faith, he went to the widow at Zarephath. Why? Because there wasn't widows of faith in the land of Israel. That's what he was saying. You know, I heard a story one time about a bar that sued a church because the bar burned down. And they said the church was at fault because the church prayed for the bar to burn down. But the church said, no, they weren't at fault. And the conclusion was the owners of the bar believed in prayer and the church didn't. <laughs> but do we have faith in the word of God. Do we really trust it? Do we depend upon it? Not only to save us. You know the same faith that saves us. Gives us victory to overcome the world. First John 5, 4 says. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. If we're going to live a victorious Christian life. We have to have faith in God's word. Not just yesterday. Not just to save my soul. But for today. And for tomorrow. So might God help us to have faith in his word and to see our faith increase as we hear and study his word. Might we not turn away from it, but trust in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge it gives to us and the encouragement. We thank you that we have a, sure, a more sure word of prophecy. Help us to take heed to it, to rest upon it, to trust it, not forsake it. 
So, Lord, just help us. Give us victory through faith. We pray in Jesus' name.